Welcome to Signs from the Other Side with Fern Rone. I'm your host, Fern Rone, and this is the place to share stories of signs and messages received from the other side. Today, I am joined by Jen Taylor, mom of 18. You heard me correctly. Do not adjust the volume. 18. She's also the author of a self-help memoir, a podcast host, a blogger, public speaker, a runner too. You can learn more about Jen at her website, momof18.com link in the show notes and on her podcast the naked podcaster jen are you wearing clothes yes but pants are always <laughs> optional <laughs> there I is a story that. behind that <laughs> yeah i love that story can you tell it i can i actually had a coach several years ago who said you know what's your dream job and i said i don't want to have to wear pants and she <laughs> kind of laughed right everybody kind of laughed uncomfortably but Anytime you do any sort of video call, you know, it's only like barely from the chest, right. more like the collarbone up. And I, I just wanted the freedom to kind of do what I wanted and not mm-hmm. have anybody know that I wasn't wearing pants. But <laughs> that, that launched the conversation and actually we'll be talking about him later, but, you know, the love of my life. Dane came mm-hmm. home once and I actually was doing a podcast interview and I wasn't wearing pants. So he kind of... <laughs> He knows just to walk in the room quietly, do his thing, and walk out of the room if he needs to. And he's like, you you really weren't wearing pants. And I'm like, no, actually, I could wear nothing because it's from the collarbone up. I mean, yeah. no no one would really know. I could wear a halter top. No one would know. And right. I said, I could, be, I could be the naked podcaster. And he's like, oh, my God, you've got to do it. And that was a couple of <laughs> years ago. I was actually a little intimidated to do it. So my podcast is exactly the same. But I rebranded it because I was like, well, forget it. I'm totally fine being the naked podcaster. We're bearing it all. So that's, <laughs> that's how I feel. Your podcast is great because people really tell their, you know, everyone has a story, but people really get deep and they tell their, their backgrounds and their stories and it's wonderful. So it really is, it's naked for everyone. <laughs> it, it is. We are, I, I have had guests come on and I do a Zoom in, an interview on video chat because I want to really connect mm-hmm. with the person as much as possible. And they're like, I wasn't sure what you were wearing. I'm like, you wouldn't have seen anything anyway. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> so I guess I've made people, it's not just figurative. They're literally thinking I'm going to show up naked and I, I could that's the whole point of it right <laughs> I love it um so I don't want to bury the lead but I know that you have 18 kids because I watched your YouTube video where you lay it out in a beautiful spreadsheet I love a spreadsheet and you broke them down into four categories and I have to say I've heard you say it in other places that it doesn't matter who's biological who's adopted obviously they're all yours I hate when the media will say you know like so-and-so actress has two kids one this one's adopted this one's biological like just she has two kids. It doesn't matter. But in your case, people are curious. You broke them up into biological, adopted, vain, <laughs> and extra, which I love. Oh, that's how I was like, what was the fourth category? I was breaking it. Completely. Yeah, see, I, so I You I can even... tell this, yeah, the story, yes. the cliff notes of the yeah. 18 kids. <laughs> the cliff notes. I was told, oddly, at 15, I wouldn't be able to have kids by an OBGYN. Mm-hmm. I was still a virgin. It was a really odd thing and very beneficial for me. Looking back, even with all my knowledge, I'm 48 now, at 15, like, what in the world was he seeing that would have given him an indication that I wouldn't be able mm. to have kids? And, and I'm not sure, but it was great for me because I thought, eh, I just have to do it out of the box. You know, it, it kind mm-hmm. of pl- planted that seed. And I had had people that were pivotal in my life. So I knew one way or another I wanted to pay that forward, give back. So 
I was kind of geared from a pretty early age thinking about foster care. Mm -hmm. I had been one of the kids that should have been in foster care. I'd been through a lot of what they'd uh, gone through. I could relate to them, and I wanted to pay it forward, so it was kind of a good fit. And then I have this doctor telling me, you might not be able to have kids. So Mm -hmm. I did actually go through infertility. I went through seven surgeries. All Anyone who's been through infertility just knows what they are. There's like this list of seven surgeries that you do to kind of rule out what's happening. And they're day surgeries. That doesn't make Mm -hmm. them easy to go through, but Mm -hmm. it's not like you're hospitalized for days. I did actually get pregnant and the infertility specialist told me she was my miracle. I had a very, I had a high Mm -hmm. risk pregnancy. She was born with a lung disease. They told me she wouldn't live for her first weekend. Um, she's 27 now. Mm-hmm. So I knew after that experience, I was hands off. I Yes, I know I probably will never get pregnant again. I know it was a miracle. I'm completely okay with that. I did not want to do in vitro. I just didn't want to do that anymore, any of the infertility. And for women that do, kudos, because it, it takes a special woman to really be able to put yourself through that physically and emotionally. And it mm-hmm. wasn't me. So I wanted to do foster care. I signed up for foster care. I did get pregnant seven times total and I lost three and I gave birth to four and I had three of them at home with a midwife. <laughs> two of two of them were water birth. So that's in Alaska. Logical. In Alaska. Yeah. But see, you have a New England accent and it's killing me because it's bringing mine out. So it's I, actually I it. New My, Jersey, but yeah, that's a yeah, well, I'm Rhode Island. Island so yeah. <laughs> I'm trying not to segregate. <laughs> so I was, of course, I was doing foster care. For me, the people say, oh, you took extras. And I'm like, no, I gave birth to extras. I really didn't expect those. And my mm-hmm. kids who were adopted or in long-term foster care like to joke, like, she picked us. You were a crapshoot. Like, genetics. <laughs> never know. So I adopted five. And then mm-hmm. I had five that were with me from different places and different ways. Three were actually through the foster care system. And they were the, I call them the extras because they stayed long-term most of them aged out with me. They never reunified. They never got adopted. Um, one was a stepdaughter. One was a foreign exchange student. And three were foster kids. So they're mine, but they're not mm-hmm. legally mine. I don't have papers mm-hmm. on them. Then I was divorced and I met Dane and he had four kids and his wife had died. So those are the mm-hmm. Dane kids. <laughs> right. <laughs> So most of the time, I just mm-hmm. tell people we have eight biological. It's so odd. They're mine. They're all mine. I don't, it doesn't right. make any difference. I don't feel different. Right. I think you, tr- you treat kids differently because they have different personalities. Your goal in parenting mm-hmm. is the same, but your delivery is a little bit different. And right. um, so that's a breakdown <laughs> for you. That's you how you get 18 kids. So I want to start with your story from the other side with your partner, Dane. How did you meet? It sounds like you were kind of like sort of fixed up before a friend's party oh we were very fixed up it was my (laughs) my daughter my daughter is 27 now and a mutual friend of ours we all worked together I had been divorced and I was out of a relationship for quite a while and I was not interested and they really went on this crusade to help me meet someone and I was honestly humoring them so they had this (laughs) whole system It, it was really great and they were amazing and they had this amazing system to find and vet potential dating partners and it was really pretty awesome but I with Dane my friend Lacey is she's like the person who does fantasy football and 
if I wanted somebody to join me in a fist fight, it would be her. She's she's beautiful, <laughs> but she's kind of a tomboy, you know? And uh-huh. she came to me once with this paper in her hand, and she's like, Jen, this is the one. And I'm like, I'm sure he is for someone, and we can help him find that. Like, I, I was just... She's like, no, Jen. And she was choked up. And I'm like, are you crying? What is the mess with you? She's like, wow. she's the one. I just, I really feel it. And I thought, she's huh. crazy. Yeah. So that was the first, you know, I used to call them God shots. But just in spirituality in general, that was the first clue uh-huh. that something was brewing because of who she was and generally how she re- reacted to things. And it's not like she's not emotional, but this was uncharacteristic for her. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they were supposed to meet, you know, my daughter Bree and Lacey were supposed to meet Dane for coffee and vet him. And he ended up a day or two before getting into a car accident. Someone T-boned him and he broke his collarbone. And they were going to meet him. And then he was flying to Florida to play in a golf tournament. And we're oh, in wow. Reno, Nevada. Yeah. <gasps> and so they were going to meet for coffee. Well, because he got into this accident and he broke his collarbone. Oh. He couldn't go because he was in that car accident. And I, I, I actually have the emails. I had nothing to do with this whole process, but they printed me off everything when we started dating. So he had told her, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be able to go, but I'm also on pain medication. And they emailed so much back and forth. And I think they texted too that Lacey came to me and said, we're going to bypass our coffee date because we've already approved him. This is the one and you need to meet him. So here's his phone number. You need to <laughs> Wow. I, I texted him and said, apparently you've passed the test and I'm supposed to meet you. And so things had already been a little out of order and not right because of this car accident. And yeah. then because of his medication and his schedule and all kinds of different things, it ended up that we could meet the following Saturday. This was like on Sunday or Monday the week before. So he and I texted for a few days and we had one phone conversation. He was super sarcastic. And you know text. Sometimes we're <laughs> our genuine selves and sometimes we're like our social media front and you never mm-hmm. know what you're going to get in real life. So I thought, please yep. let him be like he is in text because he's so sarcastic and very funny. And he, he was, but I was really still showing up humoring them. And I found out later, but this is part of the story, that the day we ended up meeting that worked out from this convoluted situation was his dead wife's birthday. So Dane Mm -hmm. didn't tell me that for quite a while because, Mm -hmm. and I mean, honestly, someone passes away, their birthday isn't always the top top of mind he didn't mm-hmm. realize it was his her birthday until later and then he was like oh my gosh and he's always felt like she had some part in setting this whole situation up and Absolutely. us getting together so Absolutely. I had my arms crossed and I wasn't very open and I was humoring <laughs> <laughs> brilliantly I was very polite he's very cute we he's hugged. very cute got, you're beautiful oh, you're a beautiful so couple cute. <laughs> thank you <laughs> um and I just, I, we've been together since that moment. Oh, I love it. I love that because someone's birthday couldn't be also very painful, you know, e- sometimes even equally as painful as, as the day they passed because it's supposed to be a happy day. But it was kind of like she helped him forget. Like, I feel like they can do that. They can make you not remember it 
and be in a good place. Like what a blessing that he wasn't focusing on it, that he wasn't thinking about it, and he was in a good headspace when he met you. So I love that. But then to realize it was her birthday later on is kind of that like confirmation, like in case you were wondering if I had anything to do with this, this coincidence is not just a coincidence. This was me leading you to the right person. And there's a couple things that happened. One is his wife, Danielle, had been cremated and he spread the ashes, but he kept some aside mm-hmm. in a container. because so she has For a, the, her sister, right? For her yes, sister, hi. yeah. Mm-hmm. She has a sister that was younger and she's never really had any contact, but Dane thought if at some point she reaches out, those ashes were set aside for him. Now, when you meet someone and you move in and they're carrying their dead wife's ashes in your house, it's, there's a reaction. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm sure. Danielle. <laughs> All right. So, you know, I kind of looked at him and at first it was something that made me a little uncomfortable. I'm like, you have your dead wife's ashes and they're in my house. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I need to process this and figure it out. And he's like, oh, I saved them for Anna. And I was like, Oh, God, that's so sweet. It's amazing how your perspective can shift. So I do have her ashes still. And I've often thought, you know, our youngest, his youngest, the youngest with Danielle, the the daughter with Danielle is nine now. Even's nine. She was just two when her mom died. Mm -hmm. And I think if her sister never reaches out to us, there's a point in time, and I told Dane this, I said, I think you kept them for a different reason. I just have a feeling Mm -hmm. that, that that's actually for Kaven to be able to have some closure with her mom. So I, I'm kind of guessing in the next probably six years, seven, Mm -hmm. eight years, between nine and 18, that she's going to have a lot of questions and there are going to be some difficult conversations from that situation. Mm -hmm. It's not always as cut and dry as you believe that it is. And I think she's going to need to have had that ability to have closure. So, again, Mm -hmm. there's all of these little things that happen, and you kind of question why, and then they seem different. And Dane didn't tell me about her birthday until I started finding dimes. He realized it, and then, you know, how do you bring it up? And then Mm -hmm. is it going to make me uncomfortable? Mm -hmm. Well, our anniversary is his dead wife's birthday, you know. Right, 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 right. I'm like, so do we sing happy birthday or high five happy anniversary? I, I'm very <laughs> laid back and I joke about it. But, you know, and, and he's very open and relaxed and laid back about it. And I think humor mm-hmm. is a great way to embrace it. And I had yeah. experiences since I was a kid with feelings from the other side. But mm-hmm. after we moved in together, it was becoming a little incessant. I kind of just felt like she was there. And I've had yeah. that feeling before. But it was always Mm -hmm. a reassuring good feeling. This wasn't Mm -hmm. a bad feeling, but it also wasn't a reassuring good feeling. I felt hovered Mm -hmm. over a little bit. And I would have conversations like out loud when I'm alone at the house, like, hey, Danielle, I totally get it. And I'm glad you're trying to help. But you need to kind of back off a little bit. You know, I mean, (laughs) I was having trouble sleeping. I was having very odd dreams. I was feeling kind of watched or like someone has their thumb on you. And the interesting Mm -hmm. thing is, She and I probably would have gotten along on a surface level, Mm -hmm. but I doubt that we would have ever remotely been friends. We are just, I know so much about her. And a huge part of that is because I have a little girl who calls me mom and I'm the only mom Mm -hmm. she knows, but Mm -hmm. we do know, we're very aware that her mom died. And so she asked questions and she she came to work with me. I mean, I was a very involved mom with all the kids, but Mm -hmm. Taven definitely got a different 
piece of me because of the timing and the situation. So she right. would, as little kids do, ask me questions. Did my mom have braces? Does she like ketchup? Um, oh. You know, did, did she like that her hair was curly? Why is mine straight? How did they meet? <laughs> when this picture was taken, what was happening? So I learned a lot of stories. And every once in a while, she asked me a question. I'm like, good one. I think she tries to, like, catch me. Like, oh, you didn't know that? <laughs> and for a long time, she thought that the three of us were together. She thought all kinds of things into a memory. So she, yeah, that's an interesting <laughs> trio. So she, she thought I was there when she was born. She plugged me into her, any memories she had or she assumed that I was there. So like Dane yeah. and Danielle and I were all together when she was born <laughs> and we were right. together. And it, that's oh, very boy. innocent for a child's not thinking menage a trois. The child's right, thinking course. I was always there, but she was for part of the time too. So mm -hmm. clearly I must know all of these things. And, <laughs> you know, I didn't. Also, another thing, here's another thing that happens where it's one of those moments you're like, ah, that seems like maybe it's coming from somewhere else. Dane had no pictures, no memories, no Christmas stuff. It was so odd. I've never, you have four oh, wow. kids. How is it possible yeah. that you have nothing? In oh. things that were happening, all of their scrapbooks and pictures and stuff got put in the trunk of a car that got repossessed. Oh, That's my a whole goodness. story. Oh, so boy. he actually lost. And, and he had nothing to do with it, and it was no fault of his own, and he did oh. try to get everything out of the car, and he lost everything. So he had a computer, not a laptop, but like the tower. You know, he had a tower. Mm -hmm. He There was an iPod, a really old iPod, and three old cell phones. Not Daniel's mm -hmm. cell phone that she had when she passed away. He doesn't have that one. So we don't, we don't have recent stuff from her, but we had three old cell phones, and I took them to a friend of mine in IT and said – get every picture and video off of these. And I actually ended up having to go to several different people at phone companies. That it was a lot Aww. of work. Yeah, and, but that's important. And important. I put together a scrapbook for her. <gasps> yeah. Oh, wow. You are incredible. Uh, so wow, the, so important. That, yeah. It, it's really important because of the foster kids and the adoptions. I met every biological parent. I had memories. I can tell you how a birth parent laughs. I didn't mm -hmm. have that relationship with Danielle. Dane did. So that, I mean, he was with her for nine years. So he can explain some things. But I have videos of Danielle holding Taven, you know, and talking. You can hear her voice. You can see her mannerisms. Yeah. And, and it was a lot of work. And the other great thing is wow. that of the other three kids, his daughter really struggled a lot when Danielle passed away. And so... She was the one, Abby's the one that helped me put the scrapbook together, put put everything in chronological order. And when we mm -hmm. got it to a certain point, then I asked Dane questions because, I, I mean, Abby didn't know who everyone was or where everything was, was taken. Right. And so he kind of filled in the blanks. So she has this memory book of her mom of the two years until her mom passed away. And I have on my laptop, I have video of oh, Danielle that she can see. And that... I mean, oh, that's sweet. not an easy thing for me to do. It's, it right. was, it's hard and emotional. I'm watching this love story and pregnancy mm -hmm. and all kinds of stuff. So that was, it was tough, yeah. but it was necessary as far as I was yeah. concerned. But it was interesting that I kind of found these things that allowed me to put the pieces together. And I think, again, that was being helped. I was being helped with that. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. Did you feel that she kind of stepped back a little after you talked to her? 
Yes. Yeah. Yep. Amazing. Started finding dimes, and that's when I I didn't know what it meant. It finally was driving me so crazy that I looked it up. Like, what what could this possibly mean? And mm-hmm. you know, it means someone's trying to get your attention from beyond. That you're on the mm-hmm. right path. That you're loved and value. That it's positive change. It it's approval from beyond. And Mm -hmm. when I looked it up, I mean, I had a mini breakdown cry session (laughs) because now it kind of made sense because I had had that conversation like, look, I I need to sleep. I need to not Mm -hmm. be consumed by you. I need to not feel this way. Regardless of the intentions, it's not Mm -hmm. going that way for me. I don't feel that way. I feel like I'm having sex with your husband and you're watching me type of thing. You know, like you got to right, back right. off me a little right. bit. Right, you were very honest, yes. Mm-hmm. I was very honest and I was very out loud and I was mm-hmm. vocal about it. Like I'm here and I get that you're here and I'm totally, I am the most cool person with that possible, but let me breathe and do my thing. Good. You need to find a Good. different way. So it was yeah. much better and then I started finding dimes and when I looked it up, I was like, got it, got it, words, <laughs> got it. <laughs> oh, Great. I love it. Oh my gosh, they were everywhere. I mean, I would sweep and mop my kitchen floor and go put away the mop and come back in and there's a dime on the floor. There is no freaking way. Uh, There's no Uh way. I did not miss a spot. I did not not see that dime. I found them when I woke up in my bed. I found them on the seat of my car when I opened the door. I found them, you know, walking down the street. But, like, why am I not Uh finding pennies? Uh It was just dimes. It was just dimes. And, you know, and I have read. People were like, you know, I'm finding them enough that it's starting to get creepy. And so you look it up. (laughs) And that's kind of where and I, and I remember telling my friend, like, if I find another dime today, like on my counter or something, I'm going to lose my mind. Literally. <laughs> I don't know why, why this is happening. And then when I write You really around, wanted your okay, attention. Yeah. Okay, you're backing off, but you're showing me that you're there, and I get yes. it. I'm totally yes. okay with that. I told Dane about it, and I walked into our room once, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And he's like, what's <laughs> going on? I'm like, there's dimes. There's like four, and he's like, yeah, I put them there. I was just messing with you. I'm sorry. <laughs> so after that, that funny. subsided off. Yeah, he's very funny. And that opened up conversations for him to say we met on her birthday. I mean, it was early on in our relationship. It all happened within the first several months. That's so amazing. So this opened up a, a huge conversation yeah. between Dane and I, right? Because I'm like, your mm-hmm. wife is haunting me, and she's leaving me money. <laughs> and did he believe her? Did he and yeah, he, yeah, yeah. There wasn't a question. Yeah, there was no. It's question. amazing all of the events that led up to like Lacey getting choked up. That was unusual. I feel like that's that spirit in the room when when you when you're overcome with emotion, and she's so not like that, which further validates it. And then the accident, which thank God he was fine, but it kind of shifted his schedule that made it possible that you would meet on her birthday. Yeah, and then it you did. felt her did. and the dimes after that. It was such a chain of events that's so, so affirming, so validating. Can I ask how she passed? She was 37 weeks pregnant with their son, and she, um, Dane brought her to the hospital and actually had to be escorted out by security because he was so upset they were releasing her. He knew that there was something wrong with her, and her aunt was saying, there or close by and so she said I feel better it's fine go to work so he he went to work that was like at 10 p.m that she said that and he left for work at like two she called the ambulance I think it was about 3 30 in the morning 
and she died en route to the hospital. They should have done an emergency cesarean en route uh-huh. to get the baby out and save him because he was he was 37. He was gestation, you know. Yeah. They did not. And oh then they revived her, but she had been dead long enough that the baby died. And so he lost That's his okay. wife and son. Yes. Oh, how awful. They were cremated together. So a couple of years later, we're together, and mm-hmm. he decides he's going to go to the coroners and get the report and read it. He just hadn't mm-hmm. been, he hadn't done that yet, which I didn't realize. So I know that us getting together also did something, shifted something just a little in him where he was really able to face certain parts that he couldn't before. Right. And he walked into the coroner's office, and I have a friend who's a coroner named Karen, and I got a text from her that said, hey, Dane just came here. You know the coroner that did the autopsy on his wife. Her name's also Jennifer. You met her at this thing. At this, So I had gone to this event that my friend Karen had invited me to, and Jennifer was also a friend that was invited, and we had hung out this whole evening and chatted. And so she said, he's here getting the coroner's report. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I know the coroner. <laughs> oh, wow. What a coincidence. And he wow. walked in the door, and Jennifer looked at him, and she said, I'm glad you're here. I've been waiting for you. Oh, my God, I have chills. Wow. I know. So she was able wow. to tell him all about his son. He's the only mm-hmm. one that ever saw his son. Right. And about the <gasps> situation. And <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So Karen was like, Jennifer, this is, <laughs> you know, when she put the pieces together and we all, we mm-hmm. realized, and Dane didn't know until later, but I was sitting here with this text, like, you know, it's just another one of those situations where you're like, holy cow, someone intervened yeah. and she would have been warm and lovely anyway. And yeah. Yeah. she would have given him the same information Mm-hmm. Uh, he was really able to ask a lot of questions, but it, there there have been a lot of situations like that where things kind of oh the circle closes so to speak or yeah you can you can take that breath oh that's needed I mean even it yeah. Danielle was at fault for all of the pictures and Christmas and everything being gone and then right. I figured out a way to get all this stuff together and I felt driven driven mm-hmm. to get it done and I think. You know, if there was a regret she wanted to write, mm-hmm. if there was something that she wanted to correct, she, I was definitely the right person. Mm-hmm. And it was, we figured out a way to get that done. She picked the right person in you because you are warm and loving, know how to mother children, would be a wonderful mother to her kids, and would be, you're like so organized and you're um yeah. good at what you do that she's like and on top of it all she'll get the picture, enough pictures to show my daughter she's gonna have a I good scrapbook she knew it she knew to pick you oh I love it your story is incredible and we could talk for hours we could talk for 24 hours and I still would have a million questions for you because your life is incredible there needs to be a reality show of you and Dane and all the kids there needs to be several books because your life cannot be captured in one book but I want to go back to the beginning because your childhood is so fascinating to me. And one thing that really stood out to me that was so poignant was that you mentioned, you discussed growing up in a dysfunctional house and that CPS came to your house and that you were in tune enough at such a young age to say, why is CPS leaving? Like you saw them driving away and you're like, 
why are they leaving us here? We're in a dysfunctional home. That a kid would think that, that this is not right. Why are these professionals leaving us here is so poignant to me. But you've so healed. Do you ever think about what exactly you did to heal? I think we all have different personalities is not a good way to say it, but parts of us that are kind of woven into the fibers of who we are. Mm -hmm. And my spiritual religious journey has gone all over the place from when I was born to now. But however you feel about any of that, Mm -hmm. I think I just had this enormous amount of faith that was just innate to me that things were going to be okay, even if they weren't, and that there was Mm -hmm. a bigger plan and that there's always a plan B. And I also learned that you can take the things that are tragic and Mm -hmm. make them triumph. So I have a very strong personality, which Mm -hmm. can be a compliment or not. (laughs) And (laughs) I know that that's a huge part of what has gotten me through things. Mm-hmm. And it's also been a detriment at times. Like with everything, I felt like I needed to be the protector of my younger sister, and which is interesting because mm-hmm. she doesn't feel like I needed to do that. So it's always oh, that's interesting. interesting. Yeah, in different personalities, or that I wasn't able to do it. So why did I feel like I was? Huh. I mean, I, that's her story. But yeah. I know that my intent was that I needed to protect her, and I always felt... Mm-hmm really just strong enough to handle things, I guess. And I also am good at compartmentalizing. So if you're sexually abused and you're older and you're in a relationship and you're having issues with the sexual part of your relationship because of this Mm -hmm. abuse, someone asked me once, how do you have a normal sex life when you've been through this? And I said, you leave a chair outside your bedroom and that's where that person stays because they don't Mm. belong in your bedroom. So I think mm-hmm. I've been good at thinking of things in that capacity where, no, this happened and it was terrible and it doesn't go away, but mm-hmm. it belongs in a certain place yes. and it doesn't right. belong outside that place. So the person who sexually abused you does not belong in your bedroom. They mm-hmm. don't belong in your sex life. There's a place for them and you can deal with them there. And how great when people are bullies, they're physically or sexually abusive and they bully someone how great would they feel to know that 30 years later you haven't even seen them and yet still they're wrecking your world because that's what they want. And I felt like, well, I have control over that. I don't have control over what they did to me, but I do have Mm -hmm. control over allowing them the same control now, even though they're gone. And I just didn't allow them to anymore. They had their place. So it's not about forgetting or Mm -hmm. that it didn't happen, or denial, or shoving feelings down. On the contrary, they're very there in the place that they belong, but nowhere else. Mm -hmm. I also feel like we get wrapped up on forgiveness, and I don't feel like that person needs our forgiveness. I feel like we Mm -hmm. need to forgive ourselves. Mm -hmm. I don't need to forgive him for what he did. I don't need to even acknowledge him. I don't need to give him the time of day or any of these people. What I need to do is forgive myself because I'm the Mm -hmm. one that's hurting and I need to know that it's okay and I need to be okay with me. I think the the forgiveness is shifted in the wrong place and then I think people let those situations consume them where I decided to compartmentalize them and let them be where Mm -hmm. they belong. I hope that makes sense. Yes, it does make sense. Is your sister, does she have the same personality as you? Was she able to heal? 
we don't remotely have the same personality at all. <laughs> they never do. <laughs> no. I, I was the oldest, obnoxious one that wanted the attention and felt like the strong personality. And she was a so- shy, sweet one that gave me half of her candy bar after I ate mine, Aww. you know. No, she's a, she was a much nicer person than I was um, probably growing up. I don't know. I know that mm. me writing the book was difficult for her, and mm-hmm. I just kind of said, I'm sorry. It's not your yeah. story. It's mine. Yeah. And if if I got the facts according to you incorrect, that's because that's your story and not mine. And mm-hmm. it certainly wasn't to get anything not perfectly – but not perfectly correct, except that mm-hmm. we can go through the same situation. You and I can go to, like, a seminar – and listen to mm-hmm. it for an hour and come out and have a conversation and we got totally different things out of it. Exactly. And exactly. Growing up, you were different ages, we're different personalities, we went through the same mm-hmm. thing, but we came out of it was very different. I hope she's healed from it. It's not mm-hmm. something she likes to talk about. Mm-hmm. And so I don't Is she functioning talk about well? It. I mean, I think she's functioning well as well as she can for her situation. Mhm. It's hard for me to yeah. make a judgment on any of that because she's not here to speak up for herself. Right, um, yeah. I know how I feel about it personally, and mm-hmm. that's probably a lot different than how she feels about it. So mm-hmm. I yeah. I think she's – I mean, I don't know. For If she doesn't want to talk about it, that's not really a conversation we can broach. I just know that she felt like, why would you write a book on that when things happen in the past? You need to leave them there. And I think that that's absolutely untrue. I think you need right. to scream them from the mountaintop because right. that's part of your healing journey. Right. And uh, and if it's not part of your healing journey, it's part of someone else's, which is exactly. An even I feel like thing. you should do what helps you. So if if writing a book and helping other people heals you, that's what you should do. If being quiet and going to therapy alone heals you, then that's what you should do. Everyone should do what works for them, what heals their soul and makes them whole again. I know that she's she ended up marrying one of the people who was my best friend for years, and mm. I love both of them, and I'm Aww. so thankful that they have that and each other. And oh, nice. I know that I think a lot of people try to do the best they can, and that looks yeah. different for all of us, and we have to respect other people's journeys and differences and yeah. how they want to do things. It's really hard if something works well for me. Like you said, we're all different, right? It's really hard if, yeah. if, if you're like, well, I want to run and I want to do this, and I'm just going to shove what works for me down your throat because this is the right. best way. But it's not. I think human beings, we're right. trying to be helpful to a fault, and that's not yeah. always helpful. Yeah. It sounds like bringing these children into your lives was so healing to you. It sounds like it was very hard but it sounds like it was also meant to be. Like all of these kids were were meant to be loved by Jen. That's such an interesting statement that you pick out because I would have forgotten, and that's another thing. <laughs> I was friends. I, w- I have this good friend who's a pastor, and he looked at me one day, but he was more like an energy-type pastor, very cool mm. guy. I really like him. And he looked at me and he said, Doing foster care and raising these kids is how you heal the child within you, which was a very yeah. interesting statement. And it kind of, it was one of those things where I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> right. You might be, you might be onto something because it never <laughs> occurred to me. I was doing it, you know, you have these altruistic 
feelings about helping other people. I know if my third grade teacher made that much of a difference to me and other people made that much of a difference to me, well, maybe I could make a difference to someone else. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing that happens in that, though. Yes, it did probably heal my childhood subconsciously Mm -hmm. or, again, in in a roundabout backdoor way without me ever realizing it. You think when you do things like this, like foster care, like I'm going to go out and help some kids, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure I never thought that exactly. But when we <laughs> do things like I'm going to volunteer at the soup kitchen, and I'm going to, you know, we want we're doing it to help this agency or these people mm-hmm. or that kid yeah. or whatever. And what we don't take into consideration is that I was much more changed than I could have ever done with these kids. They did mm. so much more for me. Then I and not and not yeah. in a way to heal my childhood. Just they gave me more than I could give them. Yeah. I can guarantee it. And I like to think that I've been a really good mom, and I know I've tried really hard, and I've definitely mm-hmm. done my best, and I've filled my quota of mistakes for sure. But mm-hmm. I know that um, parenting is kind of a tough thing, and. Mm-hmm. It's hard to navigate, especially in the heat of the moment sometimes. And so I know I've said things or raised my mm-hmm. voice and wish I hadn't. But I know mm-hmm. I've done a really good job. But I know that as much as I wanted to reach out and make a difference to kids who were in a similar situation and be beneficial in their lives, they, they, it went the opposite way far more. You need to really be open to the fact that when we're doing something with totally good intentions, absolutely good intentions to help someone else, if you open yourself up, you realize that in doing that, they've helped you sometimes more. That's beautiful. You're amazing. Did you, like logistically speaking, did you or do you have family dinner every night? How does it work? And then that you also still have big time thing. to... Yes. Run, you go on date night with Dane, you have time to run, yeah. you make healthy meals. It's not just like, let's order pizza, which would be the easy thing. How do you do it? I think we all do the things that are important to us. Mm-hmm. So you make time for the stuff that's really important to you. And that's really hard to do sometimes. I go, I used to go running with the kids when they were on their bike after school. And so <laughs> they would follow me. Um, I, I've done most of my running at early in the morning. So I get up at four 30 and I run at five 20. Well, there's the answer. Yeah. I also mm-hmm. go to bed. I'm not a night person. So mm-hmm. my kids have grown up knowing, Hey, it's between eight and 9 PM, which seems like mm-hmm. no big deal, but I'm on ER duty. So my kids, mm-hmm. I was very honest. I am not a night person. So I, I'm like, I hit the point that I'm tired and I need to go to bed And I'm on triage. So if you have a nightmare or you're sick or you need something, 100% wake me up. I'm never going to be mad about that. Mm -hmm. I may be disoriented, but I'm there to help you. I'll do whatever I can. But Mm -hmm. otherwise, everyone respect each other and be quiet and go to bed. So my kids Mm -hmm. would go to bed. You don't have to sleep, but you do have to be in bed and it's time to be quiet. So I was very honest about my limitations, and that's one of my limitations. I'm not a night person. And I would also Mm -hmm. get up before the kids to go running. So I've done that for years. Perfect. If I if I want to do it, I'm going to figure out a way to do it. Right. Dinner has always been really important. You go in a lot of different directions. Just a couple of years ago, we had 12 kids at home still. And <laughs> so cooking is amusing. Most people want to know about cooking. Um, 
and shopping. We we really need to do a video. I have to have my daughter like yeah. follow us and watch, watch us make the list, like vid- do some video, have some B-roll to do a video. Um, because yeah. we menu plan every week, and I did it by myself before, and Dane, I love this about him. He menu plans with me, and then we do the grocery shopping together, and that is, I mean, I can't even tell you how huge that is for me. Yeah. When you're cooking for, you know, people people say, oh, it's Thanksgiving, and we're, we have 15 people. Granted, Thanksgiving <laughs> is a bigger production, and I'm like, that's my every night. Every night I cook for 15 people. <laughs> every night <laughs> when the kids were little and we would sit down for dinner we did two things we did something called high low they could tell me one low which was something that happened in their day that wasn't that great mm-hmm. and to not focus on negativity then they could tell as many things that were good about their day and we would go around mm-hmm. the table and I mm-hmm. hope that that's a tradition that they keep that just shut everything down for a little bit and just mm-hmm. focus on right here it goes by pretty fast so yeah, that was one that was one thing that we did. Dinner was very important because not everything else was kind of a whirlwind of people coming and going. You're incredible. I can't thank you enough. This is amazing, and you're amazing. And I have no doubt Danielle led you to each other, and it's a beautiful story. And there's more beautiful memories to be made, and I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. I'm definitely going to put your podcast, your book, all of your information, including your website, in the show notes. But if you could tell everyone where they can find you. It's momof18.com, and it's a 1-8. It's not spelled out. And just show up. You can mm-hmm. you can contact me through there. All of my social media is on there, the book, the podcast, the blog, mm-hmm. the, basically everything, the YouTube channel. It's all kind of a one-stop shop, mm-hmm. which is how I wanted it, very easy. Yeah. And reach out. People, I don't know if you have this experience, but people say, Oh, I don't know if my story's good enough or it's, yes, I can guarantee yeah. that it is. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. So if you have the courage to share it, just reach out. And I mm-hmm. love interaction with people. So learning the, learning someone else's story is amazing. Signing off here, and I will have all your info in the show notes. Thank you for listening to Signs from the Other Side. You can find me, Fern Rone, on all social media at Fern Rone, R-O-N-A-Y. And be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so there can be more episodes of Signs from the Other Side in the future. Thank you again and sweet dreams.